1: And this is Franchise Today for Wednesday, June 19th, 2019. I'm Stan Friedman, and I'm coming to you today from my home base in Marietta, Georgia, just a few miles northwest of the infamous FRM Studios in the Buckhead neighborhood of Atlanta. And speaking of Buckhead and the neighborhood of Atlanta, this week it's playing host to a great many of franchising's finest marketeers, who are hunkering down at the Intercontinental Hotel on Peachtree Road for the Franchise Update Marketing Leadership Conference. Yes, I'm looking forward to seeing some of those franchise friends and family over the next couple of days, including my podcast co-producer and cohort in many little projects, Ryan Hicks, and 919 Marketing's Graham Chapman, who is also in town. Looking forward to seeing you in a couple of days, Graham. And in just a few minutes... I'll be joined by this week's guest, podcaster extraordinaire, the brilliant Fran Man himself, Kit Vinson. But first, my thanks to last week's guest, Nick Powell's, for a great conversation, one that if given twice the time, we'd still not have gotten it all in. But we'll definitely keep the door open for a second run with Nick in the weeks ahead. And now, I want to return to something that Paul Segreto and I used to do when he and I worked this podcast together, and that's birthdays of the week for the franchise family. And there are a great many of them this week, which include my old friend from my blimpy days, John Kramer. Happy birthday to you, John. I think this is 92, maybe 93 for you. Love John because he's older than me. Not that old, but he's older than me anyway. Happy birthday, too, to a young lady, Lash Lounge CEO and founder, Anna Phillips, Vance Snow of Zaxby's fame, franchise lawyer extraordinaire, Lee Plave, Reva Lisansky at Grove Business Media, Kevin Drudge at United Water Restoration, Jennifer Axelrod, an old friend of mine from up north in Canada, Abby Siegel-Greenberg, Nate's wife, Happy birthday to you, and ironically enough, in the same week, Nate's former old partner, Ron Feldman's wife, Karen, celebrating a birthday as well. My apologies to any of you that I may have missed, but happy birthday to all of you out there as well in the the Franchise Today uh, Friends and Family column, and also today in the front of the house. This week, I found a great story out of Louisville, Kentucky that I wanted to share with you. It's about a gentleman named Todd Reynolds. And Todd went from delivering pizzas early in his career to running an entire pizza enterprise. You see, he doesn't just manage or own a single location. No, this one-time driver now owns and operates not one, not five, 11 Domino's restaurants and is actually, as I speak, working on number 12 right now. Reynolds started as a delivery driver and worked his way through college doing so. He never imagined in the early 80s that he'd be where he is today. In fact, I'll quote him when he says, My very first night as a driver, some 30 years ago, I went to the wrong driveway. A guy comes out on the porch. He's got a barking dog in one hand and a shotgun in the other. Well, Reynolds still delivers pizzas today, but he also works behind his counters. He makes pizzas. He answers the phone. He's walked in all of the shoes that he asks his employees to, and that's one reason he says that his franchise has been selected as one of the best in the world for the fourth year in a row. He was recently awarded awarded the International Franchise Association's Gold Franny Award. The Gold Franny is an award given out each year to the top franchisees, Reynolds said, and it's given to the top 2% of Domino's restaurants in the world based on sales growth, customer service, cleanliness, employee morale, and community involvement. I think a good boss, he says, inspires people to go to the next level. And I'm going to inspire Domino's to include Mr. Reynolds in the best franchisee of the world competition. I mean, who better than this guy? Reynolds tries to inspire his employees to start their own restaurants as well. And Domino's owners have to be managers first, and not many managers are hired from within the company. Reynolds said 90% of Domino's franchise owners start as delivery drivers, according to the company. Quote, We're working on developing some of our people to become franchise owners themselves, people who started as drivers, Reynolds said. But Reynolds doesn't see other franchises as competition. Absolutely not, he says. I'm so happy for them, too. It's really one of the highlights of my career. What a great mindset. What a great guy. And what a, what a terrific piece for the front of the house. And of course, the front of the house is brought to you by our good friends at Solink. The front of the house is brought to you today by Solink, a company that provides amazing loss prevention technology for restaurants and retail. In fact, I describe what Solink does for loss prevention as the equivalent of what Apple and Android have done for cell phones. They've made these tools smarter. Whether you operate a single unit or a multi-unit empire, or if you're the franchisor or an executive with unit-level economics on your mind, you need to learn more about Solink. Once deployed, Solink's technology captures instances of exceptional behavior at all of your sites – Solink then records everything that goes on in the front and the back of the house, and utilizing its amazing technology, it creates reports that direct your attention to the very specific video clips it's captured, eliminating the need for you to review hours of tape to identify these situations. And what's best is that Solink does it all with existing point-of-sale and security equipment. That's right. There's no new hardware needed to put Solink to work for you. As always, find out more about them online at solink.com. That's www.solink.com. And now it's time for today's guest. Mr. Kit Vinson is president of Franman. Franman offers two different but related services. One is Custom Franchise Operating Manuals and the Online Manual by Franman. The first is a manual production service, and the latter is a manual distribution product. Franman serves a variety of clients, ranging from startup franchise orgs entering the world of franchising for the very first time to existing, mature, and legacy brands. And of course, they are always in need of updates to their existing manuals in order to reflect their current system standards and corporate image. Kid Vincent is also, as I said, a podcaster. Proud to have been a guest on his podcast uh, just a few short days ago, and, and here we're going to return the favor by inviting Kit into our family here at Franchise Today. And we're going to spend a little bit of time talking about Kit the person. We're going to spend a lot of time talking about how Kit helps prepare uh, franchisors to do the right thing with manuals and begin with the end in mind and get everything documented properly after coming right out of the gate. Or as I said, for those that have been around longer, how to go back and remediate Uh, Things that they maybe think they are still about, but things have changed over time. And with that, a look back and an audit of your current operating manuals is probably something that too few franchisors think of, unless first they have a conversation with you, Mr. Kit Vinson. Welcome to Franchise Today.
2: Mr. Stan, thank you so much for having me on your show. I really do appreciate it. It means a lot to me. I feel like I've arrived. It's like if I can get (laughs) on Franchise Today, I have arrived, and this is is an exciting day for me.
1: Well, when I can come up with the smooth, melodious tones of Kit Vincent, (laughs) I'll feel like I've arrived, (laughs) because mine is a world of gravel and grit, and yours is smooth and polished. And we're going to do something, Kit, that I've never done before on franchise today, but we're going to do this today for the very first time. Can, can you bear to be a first at this kit? Can you talk about it in mixed company? N- I think I can. <laughs> 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 we're going to do something that's going to be a little bit of fun. Cause it's something that you did on the interview that you did with me. I'm ready. I've never, I've never taken the time to wonder much less, research what it means to have the last name Friedman. I learned about my own last name as a guest on your show. I think it's time to turn about fair play, Mr. Vincent. What do you know about your family name?
2: Oh, that's a good question. Oh, dang it. So family name, my last name, Vincent, comes from my father, obviously. And I know more about the last name Kittrell, which is my middle name, which is my mother's maiden name. So the Kittrell side of the family, I know more about. And that there, you can take that all the way back to the 1600s. And there's a little town called Kittrell, North Carolina. And that's where the Kittrells came and settled. Um, We do have-
1: Look I'm what sorry? you're doing. You're, look what you're doing here. You're trying to act like a franchisee. You're changing the conversation I, from I, the question I, that was asked to what know. you want to talk I'm about. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't, Vincent, I didn't research Kittrell. I researched I'm Vincent. I'm sorry,
2: Vincent. <laughs> I don't know a lot about the Vincent side. Tell me about it.
1: I'm going to do that. But first, I'm going to ask you a question. Does Kit Shoot. come from Kittrell? Kit do, comes do, from do, Kittrell. Mm-hmm. So your name, your middle name or the other side of the family name became your given first name and it's shortened from Kittrell.
2: So my grandfather is Edward. His first name was Edward and or Reginald Edward Brothers. His middle name is Edward and that's where I get my first name. My mother's maiden name was Kittrell and that's where I get my middle name.
1: Got it. Well, let me tell you what I learned about Vincent. Okay. And the, and the Vincent family history. And this is just a few minutes away from the interview, but I thought it would be fun because you do this at the beginning of every single week. You interview somebody, and I thought mm-hmm. nobody's ever done the same for you, so let me be the first here too. Well, I'm excited. So what I've learned is that the Vincent name it comes from the English variant of Vincent, and this, according to the Dictionary of American Family Names, similar surnames would be Venson, Vinton, Hinson, Eitzen, Tinson, Winson. Kinson and Pinson <laughs> ah well you see there's something there's some there's some truth to that the results combine data from everyone in the ancestry DNA database with the last name Vincent and the ethnicity regions shown are uh, surprising because they come from various places including Germanic Europe only five percent though but England and Wales 55 percent of the Vincents come from there Ireland and Ireland and Scotland, seventeen percent. Ah. Cameroon, Cameroon, the Congo, and Southern Bantu peoples, five percent. Um, Holy cow! Yeah, you're you're all over the place. And do you know what your ancestors did for a living? No, tell me. I didn't find any franchising kid, but I, I looked. <laughs> oh dang it! God dang it! In eighteen eighty. Uh, They were farmers, laborers, and keeping house, where the top three reported jobs working were by a Vinson. A less common occupation for the Vinson family was farming. The most common Vinson occupation in the USA was, in fact, farming, with 55% of Vinsons as farmers, 6% as laborers, 6% keeping house, and 5% uh, unknown um, doesn't doesn't tell us what the rest of that would have been. You know what the average Vincent lifespan is? Are you wanting to know that at all? I would love to know that. How much more Sorry, time do kid. I have to go? <laughs> <laughs> all right, this is the last piece, and then we're going to get into what you do for a living, right? Okay. Between 1943 and 2004 in the USA, the life expectancy of Vincent's was at its lowest point in 45 and highest. In 2000, the average life expectancy for Vincent's in 1943 was 47. The good cow. news. The good news is in 2004, when last measured, that almost flipped completely, be- became 72.
2: Nice. Well, I've got a little bit more time to get everything done. I want to
1: get done. And you've got a lot to talk about and get done, kids. So let's start doing that.
2: Before we do that, I would like to make a comment on something you said earlier. And okay. If you don't mind, may I do this? Please. Soul Link, there's so many times a day that I hear a commercial about a product and I say, oh, yeah, that's cool. That's kind of neat. I met those guys at the IFA convention a couple of years ago and they pulled me to one side. I forgot who it was. Jerry Darnell had introduced me to them, And he says, he says, Kat, you got to meet these guys. I said, okay. So- I um, sit down with them and they, and you know, the IFA convention is kind of busy and I pull myself out of the booth and I'm kind of nervous because I need to get back in the booth, but I'm sitting there listening to them. By the end of the 15, 20 minute presentation that they showed me everything that they did, I was blown away. And there are not very many times when I get blown away with technology. We get hit with new technology all the time and you compare it to the iPhone and the Android. And I would say, yeah, but this is, this is just a light years ahead of everything and the fact that you can use it on your own. And I would tell anybody to go and get a presentation because you will be equally blown away as I was at what that technology can do. It's amazing. Anyway, I just wanted to share that.
1: Well, that's, that's really appreciated. And I'm sure they all appreciate it too. You know, not everybody that I don't have as many sponsors on this program typically that might want to be here. Um, I really do try to have sponsors on with products that I totally and completely believe in and can actually read as a spokesperson the copy with with heartfelt belief that that's the you know best in class that there is out there. And I too was, in, I was overwhelmed the same way when I first got introduced to what Solink's all about. And um, I think that they are the gold standard and uh, I've never seen anything like it before. Yeah, the, a lot of things that you can use, but not incorporating existing technology in which you can do with their stuff you know their algorithm will work with existing um cameras and with existing uh, point of sale systems so you know, not heavy investment Yeah. But, just by oh the boy. way i was equally blown away
2: i was at the same level of blown awayness when we got into frm is that a new
1: word is that a real blown word blown awayness <laughs> yeah i actually coin words regularly blown awayness <laughs> well we appreciate that, too. It was fun being interviewed by you, Kit. And, uh, you know, this is a different interview today, so we're going to move along in a different clip Let's because go. we're, we're going to talk about a whole lot of things here today. And the first of those is that nobody ever, really, unless they were born into a franchising family, nobody gets into franchising with purpose and with intent. And so I'm, I'm going to ask you to rewind the tape and tell me and the audience how and when that occurred for you. What were you doing? Uh, When you had this inflection point where whatever that was intersected with franchising.
2: Well, I'm going to tell you, and this is something we didn't talk about before. And I was in between careers. I had started life in one career and I wanted to change. I wanted to get out of that career. And that industry was really hard to get out of. And so in the meantime, I had taken a job with a radio station. And I forgot to tell you, when we we were talking about your radio history. I have a little bit of radio history, too. And so I was in radio sales, and I was just trying to make ends meet in between careers, doing interviews here and there. And I was, I would run across, I think you were in some, you did some radio sales, too, right? Advertising sales. Yeah. (laughs) So that's the toughest gig out there. And so- you'd run I'd run across all these businesses all the time because you'd go be out calling on everybody and you'd say oh this is really neat and my brother is a franchise attorney and so I would regularly call him up and go hey Rob you need to talk to this company these guys have a really cool concept and they need to franchise and so I caught I had called him on one of these occasions and said you need to talk to these guys and I said by the way what are you doing and he says, well, I'm just, I'm trying to find somebody to send my client to. I have a client that needs a manual and I'm trying to send them out to do a manual. Well, I had worked for a couple of startups in the past and I had written the operating manuals for those companies. And so I said, Rob, why don't, why don't you do that yourself? He goes, I just don't have the bandwidth. I've got all these clients and I don't have the bandwidth to sit around and write a manual. I said, what are manuals going for these days? This is back in 2005. He goes oh, around between 20 and $25,000. I said, holy moly. That's a lot of money," I said. "You can't find anyone to write the darn manual?" I said. "We can fix that in a lickety split." So he said, "You want to?" I said, "Yeah, let's do it." So we spent—I don't know—about two months, three months, just kind of fiddling around with a with an with an outline, kind of piecing it together. And we said, "Okay, we'll keep our jobs, and then as soon as we get a client, as soon as you get a client that needs a manual, let me know, and then we'll we'll present it to them." And we that came, you know, a couple of months later, and we got our first client. And went up there and stumbled through it and made our way through it and wrote a great manual for them. And then it wasn't a couple of weeks later, we got our second client. And then about a few weeks later, we got our third and fourth back to back. And I quit my job and we've been at, I've been doing Frameman ever since.
1: And the job you quit was a radio job? It was a radio it was. sales?
2: It was, the, yeah, it was kind of an in-between. It was a radio Jack FM in Dallas, Texas. <laughs> and how long were you doing that? Oh, I don't know. Not quite a year. But it was that's that's a tough gig, man. I don't never want to do that again. Those guys who do it, I have a lot of respect for them.
1: It's how I got into franchising, so mm-hmm. you and I will talk about that in, <laughs> at a later date and well, that that'll be over a glass of dripping springs, right? There is
2: more than just a misspent youth that we have in common.
1: <laughs> it's kind of scary. I mean I'll, I know anybody anybody who listens to the interview you did with me is going to learn that not only was I trouble as a kid, you know, mm-hmm. but you related to everything I shared, so yeah. I wish I wish my folks were still here, so I could play that interview and say, "See, it wasn't just me." You a- still got that luxury; I don't have that anymore.
2: Oh, that's a great that's a great line.
1: So, right. Kit, thirteen years ago or so, then is when all of this started for you. Mm-hmm. Is that about right?
2: Yeah, about fourteen years. We're working. On, do you on Do that. you
1: remember who your first client
2: was? I do. It was called Pass Your Plate. And it was a little company out of Tulsa, Oklahoma, and, and they were pretty, it it was almost a local drive. So it was about three hour drive up. So I was able to take a day off of work and two days off of work. And I went up there and with my laptop and I was recording all this, all of the sessions on my laptop. Now I've, we're way advanced now, but mm, I remember that. So Pasture Plate was a little company. They're no longer in business. They didn't make it past the, the great recession. But uh you would go and prepare all your meals for the for the whole week, and they would have stations set up for every meal and so you would go and over to the over to the lasagna station and prepare your lasagna and they would have all the ingredients laid out in the instructions and then they 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 would have a little sticker you put on top with the heating instructions. you take it home and you put it on your freezer and then when the day came, you'd pull it out and cook the meal for the night and
1: you wouldn't have to spend all those hours prepping food. How cool is that? And so your brother was a franchise lawyer. And how long did you even have any knowledge of what he did for a living? How acquainted were you with his occupation?
2: So he was and still is an, a franchise attorney.
1: Right. And but at that point in time, yeah. you knew nothing. of You had no day-to-day nexus to franchising other than your brother, Right.
2: I didn't, uh, you know. I, you know, you worked. I worked for Pizza Inn as a, as making pizzas and a couple of jobs for other companies that were franchises. But no, no, really, no real knowledge of franchising. What I learned a long time ago is that. With the help of my brother on those on these first manuals, and he was he would be right there, not next to me physically, but but after I got back, and we would we would spend hours on the phone comparing notes, and he would be um, answering questions for me and bringing me up to speed. Um, what what I learned a long time ago: once we learn how to produce an operations manual, and you know what goes into a manual, and some of the the questions that are specific to franchising as you're producing a franchise operations manual, because it is very different than maybe an employee operations manual, or even just for a traditional licensee manual. But once you learn that stuff, you find early on that you don't need, you know, my line I like to say a lot is, I don't need to be the expert in any one industry in order to produce a manual. What I need to be is in front of that expert. And typically, that's the franchisor. And if I can be in front of that person, then I I know how to ask the right questions. And that's what I learned very quickly
1: early on. You raise an interesting point because I always tell people about my career in franchising. I've never really been the concept guy, but from one time, out of all the 25 or so years that I spent on the Zor side before becoming a supplier – I could cross brands, I could go from food to retail, from retail to service, from service to something else, home-based, and it really made no difference because I wasn't the concept guy. I didn't need to know the, the secret sauce of the business. I was the relationship guy. And whether it was one or the other of any of the business verticals in franchising, it didn't really matter. Relationships were all the same. And so I think what you're saying is pretty much the same thing, that The things that make for a compliant and good manual that has everybody's bases covered are the same in pizza as they might be in childcare, but circumstances a little bit different. But the rules of the road pretty much the same. The rules of the
2: road are the same, and it's exactly right. And what I, one of the exercises that we do at the very beginning of each site visit, see, so once we have a new client. And they select our full service package. That's where we actually come out on site and we do all the heavy lifting and we do a three day site visit with them. The very first thing I do with every single client is I pull out this document and I call it the functions of an operations manual. And there are four main functions. And if they've got a whiteboard, I stand up and I say, "Okay, everybody tell me what you think the function of an operations manual is. And, and everybody will, will everybody's got something that's training, it's this, it's that, and the other, and never, but they always miss one or two. But the reality is if, if as long as we all know what the functions of that document are, then we can figure out what goes in it. And it doesn't matter what industry, uh, the, the types of content is going to be the same that goes in the operations manual. So when you look at that first function is the, it's the master document for your system standards. So a franchise agreement will, will make a lot of references, 30 or so references to the operations manual as the system standards or the location of the system standards. If you didn't do that, then your franchise agreement would be 400 pages and you would have to update your franchise agreement every time and you just can't do that. So there's going to be a master document for those system standards, and that's the operations manual. But that's not all a typical operations manual. is. You've got the second function would be like it's a training document. And most franchisors, when they start off, use the operations manual as their master training document. And so they'll, and if you have a really well written operations manual, you can literally go through the darn thing page by page and get the all the information across that a franchisee needs to know, except for the hands on stuff. You every if it's well written and if it's thorough, you've got all the information there. You can just literally just flip right through it and hit every single topic. Um, But it's more than just training on how to roll the burrito because sometimes a franchisor will. Uh, you know, and there's another question I ask them is, who's your target franchisee? Who's the target reader for this manual? And some of them will say, well, we're only going to look for multi-unit operators or multi-concept operators. And if that's the case, that's a very different manual than it is for somebody who comes out and says, hey, you know what? Our target is a retired military, retired teachers, um, people that want to get out of the rat race. And that, that's a very different manual. And so, when we talk about the main, it's a training document. Where we also include content in a manual that would be training these people, getting them up to speed on being in business. How many, how many teachers, retired teachers or t- teachers, period, have ever hired somebody? Who knows what that pro- what that's like? How many? Teachers have ever opened up a business bank account. Who knows the process? How many of them know what they need to bring to the bank to save them five trips? We can put the content like that in an operations manual. And again, that's not a system standard. That's more of a training piece. It's also the one of the few tools that a franchisee a franchisor has to protect their brand. Um, the, you know, when when you and I'm, if I'm getting off on a tangent, let me know. We pull me back. Is this?
1: No, you're good. You're, you're doing I'm great. Keep
2: going then. So when a franchisor grants a franchise for the first time, they're in effect they're handing this valuable brand over to somebody else. They're giving their brand to somebody else to care for, and and if they're not careful, and if they don't have their ducks in a row, if they don't have all their system standards lined out and the rules of a of the road, well, they're- most people have, even though you vet them and you, we all drink the same Kool-Aid and we're all super excited about it, on day one, we all look like we're running a parallel path as for the vision, everybody's vision of the, of the direction of the company. But if you think about a really acute angle at the very, very tip of it, you look, you're both at the same point. But as you move across that angle, franchisor, say being on the bottom line, the baseline, the franchisee on that angled line that keeps slowly goes up as time passes, one year, five years, eight years, th- their vision for the direction of the company is a lot different than it was on day one. And it's a lot different than yours is as a franchisor. And so you don't have a whole lot of tools that to pull them back down. Your franchise agreement is really high level thou shouts and thou shalt not. But it it relies on the operations manual for all of the other elements that pull that franchisee back down to the franchisor's vision for the direction of the company. So, we're so le-
1: are we up to number three or number four? I that's want to-
2: three. And the fourth one is just a sales document. And you know, uh, you know, Bob Gappa and he's, he is a mentor of mine and I learned his philosophy on you don't sell a franchise just like you don't sell a driver's license. And But I don't like to use the word sales, but there is a sale that takes place. And that is not when you grant a franchise. That's not a sale. The sale takes place when you are trying to convince somebody that your franchise system is right for them. And you're trying to show them the value of your system over all the other systems. And that's where the actual sale t- takes place. And if I'm talking to somebody, I'm gonna ask them to give up quarter of a million dollars after you talk about um brick and mortar and and, and franchise fee and, and uh FF and E, you know, if I if we're talking about them dropping quarter of a million dollars or or two hundred thousand dollars or whatever, whatever it is. I want to show them every chance I get that we've got an organized system. We've got a system in place, a mechanism in place that will that will help guide them through this process. And if you can show them that manual and it looks solid and it's professional, it's a world-class manual, that's not going to be the sales tool. That'll be a sales tool in your bag. Does that make sense?
1: It makes nothing but sense. And when we come back from the break, we're going to dive a little more deeply into these four buckets and the role that that manual can play in the day-to-day life of a franchisor. Before going to break, I want to acknowledge that you don't have to be a Texan to have Bob Gappa or Pam Gappa as your (laughs) idols. Um, They are some of the earliest day teachers in my life. And again, Bob Gappa is somebody just a wee bit older than me, so I love him anyway, right? Right. (laughs) And, And then I want to talk when we come back. I want to have a little fun with uh, the comparison that you make on your podcast every week when you call out these things that you've just described so eloquently. But on your podcast, you do it through the voice of Boudreaux. And we're going to talk about all of that when we come right back. This portion hey. of Franchise Today is brought to you by Zoracle. Oh, we jumped ahead of the game there. Let's try that again. <laughs>
0: Franchise Today will be right back. But first, a word from our sponsors.
1: Now, this portion of Franchise Today is brought to you by Zoracle. Providers of spot-on profiles, the gold standard of assessment tools that assure you're selecting the right franchisees every time. Unlike DISC or others that simply gauge personality or communication styles, Zoracle's spot-on assessments are all franchise-specific and based upon seven sciences that nail the results each and every time. Your prospects simply answer a few questions online And like magic, Zorical's algorithms scientifically slice, dice, and analyze their thresholds for risk, their business acumen, and even their propensity for single or multi-unit ownership. Zorical's spot-on analysis is like having a crystal ball, but there's no hoodoo here. It's all based upon science that flawlessly determines franchisee, franchisor compatibility, and accurately predicts performance. Why don't you schedule a demo today and take a complimentary look and see for yourself. It's the closest thing to a sure thing. Zorical, spot on assessments based on science, but delivering results that seem simply magical. Check them out at www.zoricalprofiles.com. Franchise Today is produced and presented each week by FRM Solutions, providing best-in-class CRM and document management software designed specifically for franchising. FRM enables real-time business intelligence, communication, and collaboration between all members of the franchisor's team and their prospective and existing franchisees. This empowers your team to simply and seamlessly track, Access and manage all communication to and from prospective and existing franchisees, including texts. Legal and compliance is simplified too with FRM's document management, and even site visits can be digitally facilitated and scored using FRM. Make today the day you give FRM a look and assure that all of your candidate and franchisee correspondence, including texts, are being permanently tracked and archived in candidate and franchisee records. FRM even provides state-of-the-art digital experiences for your prospective franchisees, replacing old-style virtual brochures. There are no long-term contracts required. Multiple upgrades are offered each year at no additional cost. No excuses, just solutions on the web at frmsolutions.com. See that little little faux pas there where Zorak will try to come out of the gate? <laughs> A little bit early, but you know, that happens ah. on live podcast and that would never happen on your show, right?
2: Oh, uh, it would happen. <laughs> it just, it would not be heard. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, it would so happen. Do, it's exactly right. You do a little bit of editing, right?
2: <laughs> I do what I call
1: audio airbrushing. I like it. That's so creative, kid. And you also talk about, let's go back and talk about Boudreaux. So wait, you've wait, created- wait. I want to okay. say something else.
2: I love Zoracle, Rebecca Monet and Zoracle. I think there's that fantastic. Another fantastic product that you just listening to the ad doesn't do it justice. You need to call her up. I think she's I think she's a fantastic gal and she's got a great product.
1: So are you telling me that my writing of that commercial does not do Zoracle justice? Is that what you said?
2: I think your writing was spot on. I'm saying ah, that nobody could no, have spot written- on
1: is her profile that right? you got this whole package. <laughs> I love having fun with you, kid. Every time we well, talk, it's nothing, but it, it's like tennis. It's well, like, just volleying the ball back and forth. I like
2: to laugh. You should have Nancy Friedman on your show. Not only does she have the same last name, but she is exactly the same way. We laugh for the first 20 minutes of my podcast episode with her.
1: Well, we don't have enough time to laugh for 20, but I'm I'm in for
2: I think good I'm into that. I like
1: mustard. <laughs> I, I think I'd, that's a good recommendation, and I'll take it. Let's right, go let's, back to let's so, go back to Boudreaux and his burgers, and how you storytell your way through that divergence. You you made a a very very clear point in I think the end of three when you talk about visions taking left and right turns, mm-hmm. and franchisor vision may be veering one way, and franchisee the other, and then you get into that. Now you're in that gap where we talked at the very beginning of the hour about how mature brands have a manual that says something that used to be correct about them maybe 10 years ago. Is it still correct today? There may have been divergence. So let's talk about that piece and how important that piece could become in terms of somebody having a mismanaged expectation, even innocently. They looked at They looked at documents that were provided for disclosure. They looked at maybe chapters or portions of the ops manual, and it says that you are this. And then they get into training and find out this is really that. Boy, this is a big problem.
2: Yeah, Yeah, this is a really big problem. And more so a big problem if you're still using a paper manual. And I've told people this from day one. This is from 2005. A printout of your operations manual is a snapshot Of your operating system it's a photograph of your operating system and it will never change until you change it and even after you change your operating system even after you change your system standards just for just for kicks in case someone doesn't know what a system standard is it's like the rules that a franchisee has to play to play by if they want to be a member of the club so if the club is Boudreaux's Burgers, you want to be a member of our Boudreaux's Burgers Club, you can. We'd love to have you. You have to follow our rules. Here they are. Those are called system standards and franchising. So you write an operations manual and you print it out and put it in a nice three-ring binder, and there are still people that do that. And there's nothing, well, there is something wrong with it because technology, but it's not the end of the world if you do that. But the problem is, is that as soon as you make a change, that manual is out of date. And it's still floating around out there. So it's a really big problem what you're talking about. And and if you're doing, if you're on top of your system, if you're on top of your system, like you should be, there would be, it would not be uncommon for you to make changes to your operating system on a weekly basis. And things come up all the time and we need to update this. We need to update that. We got a new, a new dressing. We got a new this and a new that. And you've got, Typically, what happens is it goes into a folder and the dog-eared folder. And, oh, yeah, let's add, update the manual. Let's do it whenever we update the manual. And and because people are used to that mindset of it's a paper manual, and that's exactly why I'm going to give a little shameless plug here to the online manual by Fran, man, because that addresses that problem where you have now you have like a web-based operations manual that is like a Wikipedia site. And that, that's mm-hmm. the only access to the manual. So the So now everyone is no longer looking at their own copy of the manual. They're looking at the franchisor's copy of the manual. And every time we make a change, it gets changed instantly. And there are no um, old versions floating around out there. There there is only the one version.
1: I cannot contemplate, Kit, how uh, maybe in the 80s or even in the 90s, right up to maybe the turn of the century, but since then – with the speed at which technology has advanced, the speed with which social media has expanded, it's just grown and, and changes almost by the minute, much less the day. How can a system standard be properly articulated and clearly defined when things like Instagram or Facebook change something in their world? It changes things in the franchisor's world which changes things in the operator's world in articulating and communicating how, sure. you can, how you can communicate about the brand standard to a consumer or what you can and cannot do. I all but think it's impossible for paper manuals to be the guiding lights anymore. Oh,
2: I totally agree with you. I just don't want someone, if they have a paper manual, to feel bad. So I was trying to… I was trying to soften that blow a little bit, but I, I can't imagine anyone using a paper manual these days. However, there are people out there doing it and they're managing it. See, here's the problem. I'm going to update the operations manual. I have a 300 page manual and each chapter has, let's say, 25 pages. I'm going to add a new, we're we're adding a new burrito to our line and there's a new, We don't. it's not really a burrito, it's a bowl and the, the preparation is different. So we're going to add five pages to that manual, to that section, to that chapter. Well, we've got to reprint the whole chapter because it's right in the middle. We got to, all the pages after that have been have been screwed up. So we're just going to reprint that whole chapter. We have 100 locations out there. We're printing up uh, um, 50 pages times, times 100, and then we're going to send them out, registered mail, return receipt, because if we don't do that, we can't prove that we actually sent the update because... And so that if they're ever involved in a lawsuit that's a result of this system standard, we need to be able to prove in a court of law that we were actually, we actually did do the update and we sent it to them. And here's where they signed for it, that they received it. The problem is, is that these franchisees and nothing, not a knock against franchisees. It's just that, hey, my life is busy. I don't, I get something in the mail. I'm going to stick it in the front pocket of that, of that binder. If that even gets there. I'm going to stick it in the front pocket of that binder, and when I have time, when things slow down, I'll sit there and I'll insert everything and take out the old pages and shred them, and then put the new pages in. I mean, just talking about it right now, it just it just it's almost like scratching a chalkboard. If you, anyone
1: actually ever did any of that stuff, that that's the reality of the system back then, and so it would seem. It would seem to me if you were a mature franchisor and, and you were doing these things in the old world of print just what you've described with the number of pages times the number of places it has to get and be distributed Mm. via FedEx or something, it would probably cost you less (laughs) to actually do it digitally, (laughs) wouldn't it?
2: You are preaching to the choir, my friend. Yes, absolutely. It would. And and it's just not to mention the fact that, that you've got to keep track of all those return receipts and file them somewhere and be able to access them. And when you go digital, when you have a wiki style, it's, it's tracking everything. And I, we can tell you who's looked at the updates and who's acknowledged that they've read them. And and we can tell you how long they even stayed on the page. And so it's just it's, technology is such that there are not a lot of people doing paper. A lot of people are doing what I call a hybrid And so they are, they've got their manual and they've got it all in one PDF and they've got that in a document library somewhere. And there's nothing wrong with that either, because we still just kind of have one version of it, except that the franchisee can download that version. And if they download it, there's another snapshot right there. It is a PDF, so it is like a snapshot. And so you can search it. You can't do things like put video in it, and and you can't track, and you can't do a really a really good search like you can. You can't do like a Google search to your manual. So that's one of the other really, really big benefits of an online manual by man, stuff like that. So- the, the point I'm trying to make is to get back, kind of swing back around to your question is, as these things change, you've got to have a system in place for how you're going to keep up with those changes. And while social media is only a part of an operations manual, a company's social media policy, for example, which changes on a, almost on a daily basis because just it's just the new social media that emerges, not to mention how we handle it, how we deal with it. Those are things that change regularly and you've got to be able to update those on the fly, but other things stand like, like a, um, how to fill up a three compartment sink and and what chemicals are you are you putting in to disinfect and things like that hand washing techniques those things don't don't change very often federal labor laws for example those are those are common to all manuals that kind of stuff doesn't change very often but the really thing the really key elements of how you roll the burrito I use that example a lot but how you roll the burrito that those are things that change a lot and you need to have a system that's that can that can fly with you
1: does a franchise or who Again, doesn't know any better. He's a relatively he's like Boudreaux. He's a brand new franchisor. Mm -hmm. He's coming out of the gate and anxious to document all of the policies and procedures that deal with making that burrito and and with those things that are relevant to his brand. To the point you made at the beginning of this portion of the discussion, where you said, "Well, you know, they may not have information relevant to things that are." besides the like, you know, business things and learning how mm-hmm. to do banking and and those kinds of pieces and parts. And what about OSHA and regulations like those government requirements that it, they probably don't realize needs to be part of a manual and local to the community too that those franchisees are opening up in, isn't isn't that correct?
2: Yeah. So we've got on our website at friendman.net, there's a tab up there that says manual content and it's got a full outline of a generic It's a generic outline of an operations manual because uh, one, I want somebody to, if they want to have a stab at it themselves, they can use our outline. They can copy and paste it and get, get to work on their own manual. I think that's great. And I want that to be a resource to them. But two, I want prospective clients to look at that and go, holy cow, I had no idea of the stuff that I should be putting in this operations manual. OSHA is a good example. And you know, a lot of people don't know that there are what, 14 states that have their own OSHA programs. I don't know if it's 14 anymore, but there were X amount of states that have their own OSHA programs. Well, we don't need to have all the details in an operations manual of each OSHA program, but we do need to have a resource, again, looking, talking to the retired military person or the retired teacher. Did you even know that OSHA existed? Maybe, maybe not. Here's a here's a link. You click on that and now you can make sure you're up to speed with all the OSHA regulations.
1: Kit, FDDs have a function and a legal function I'm sure that your brother would speak to if mm-hmm. one asked him, what's the FDD for? But franchisors have learned that how you put I don't want to use the word spin, but how you present your FDD (laughs) can become something of a sales tool if it's properly written and you pick your battles and you choose your battles and you don't get too heavy handed in one part and you give back in another. FDDs well produced by business minded franchise attorneys can become tools that empower development teams. Is there any such rule that you would equate that to as pertains to manuals?
2: Yeah, you know I had a big long discussion with Mike Drum about that and the topic of that discussion was why your FDD sucks and it was exactly that same topic. It was you can follow the rules exactly on your FDD or you can push those rules to the boundaries and be more creative and and, and turn your FDD into a sales tool. And and that's the truth. The the manual yes, yes, yes and yes We always tell people who say, you know what, we're going to have, we have a franchise attorney and they're going to write our manual. And I say, whoa, I say, okay, you can do that. If your, if your franchise attorney has that much bandwidth sitting around that they can write a manual, but I want to warn you against having a manual that is written in legalese. A legalese manual is not going to be anything that anyone's going to want to read. Imagine, I mean, a lot of people read, will read the Wall Street Journal because there's good content there and there's a reason for them to go there and get it. Wall Street Journal does not have a lot of pictures, but there are some. But imagine just taking all the pictures out. I'm getting to a point here of any newspaper to where all it is is copy. And, and it's, it's not user friendly. It's not anything that anyone's going to want to go to, and it's going to be really hard to find stuff. There are no visual cues as to where I am in the manual. Oh, I remember that picture; I know where I am getting close, or it's just, or we're talking about it, and we can refer to a picture. If your manual's not user friendly, if it's written in legalese, if it's not written in what I would call human speak or plain English, and and even to the point of. Of we you know, we did one a long time ago called Killer Tacos out of out of Hawaii. And he wanted us to write that in in kind of a surfer talk and we did. You know there's you can put your your company's um corporate culture into your manual as well. And you should, it should be a a method of conveying your corporate culture. It's not the only, but a a method of conveying your corporate culture. So it should be a fun read. It should not be, it should not be a, a manual that is something that is, that is just, here are these system standards and you must obey them. Goodbye. It should be a document. I say the the franchise agreement tells you what you have to do. And the franchise operation
1: tells you how to do what you have to do. And manuals have to be introduced in some degree, right? Either table of contents or access to, usually for somebody who asks for it on the front end before becoming a franchisee. Well, so- the table
2: of contents, you're right. It has to be if you have a if you're going to disclose that you have an operations manual, then you have to include the chapters and the number of pages per
1: chapter. And if you don't have an operations manual, who in their right mind is going to be buying that franchise? Right.
2: Well, you know what? I th- yes, I happen to agree with that, and but I have to be careful because I this is my world, and it's just like the you know if you're a if you're a chiropractor, you're going to think everybody needs an adjustment, and hmm. and so I have to be careful that I don't think everyone needs a manual just because that's what I do for a living, but it's that example I gave you earlier. I'm going to ask somebody to part with a lot of, or commit to parting with a lot of money. And if I'm looking at, you know, the beauty of it, of the FDD of that disclosure document is that I can look at two different companies in two different industries. I can look at, I can compare now apples and oranges because I have this disclosure document with the exact same number of items and every item talks about the same thing. And now I can compare apples and oranges and to see if I want an apple or an orange. Well, the um, if I'm looking at two companies and one of them has a really well-defined operations manual, again, that mechanism in place that's going to support me as a new franchisee and one doesn't, well, it just it tells me what level of organization
1: they have in their system. And that was precisely my point because nobody looks at just one brand at a time. They're looking at two or three and maybe more. And so if they see tools like yours in place and they're looking at brand X and Y that don't have those things in place, I would proffer that an ops manual is becoming part of a sales tool and is assisting in making a decision. On the other side, I want to ask you this question. All too often, we hear about the place where a franchisee who's not happy is going to go to try to pierce the relationship and maybe find his way out. And that's typically on disclosure in the FDD side. Um, I do know, though, that and I'm going to ask you to to either clarify what I think is correct or not, that all too often that same franchisee who's looking maybe to battle his way out by saying he wasn't properly disclosed um, might have the judge wondering why he's not downloaded the last 16 versions of the ops manual that were made available to him. And yet there he stands in front of a judge trying to say it was the franchisor who wasn't responsible. Have you ever seen that? Kid? No, we haven't seen that exactly,
2: but there is something related to that. Now, the online manual by Frameman is nothing that you download. You don't download Wiki- Wikipedia, you just access it, but but we can track where they've been, et cetera. So it's not so much of a proving that, that they were disclosed as much as it is this, I have we put in our operations manual six, uh, two years ago that we were removing peanuts from all of our products and from, there's no longer a Boudreaux's burger that has a peanut in it and we mm-hmm. don't even cut peanuts. We don't even use peanuts in our kitchen anymore because some people will suffer from anaphylactic shock and we just, we don't want to get away from that. So we changed our system standard and we pushed out, we, we changed it in the online manual and then we, we sent a notification out to all the users and they had a link in there and they were to click on that link and go into the manual. And there's a box on there that says, I acknowledge that I have read this new, this new content. And two years later, a franchisee gets sued because they didn't have any notification up that they were selling, bu- that Boudreaux's burgers had peanuts in it. And Boudreaux's burgers are not supposed to have peanuts in it, but this guy was selling Boudreaux's burgers with peanuts. And that was the old recipe and they get sued. And of course the attorney on their side, on the opposing side is looking for the deepest pocket. So they pull the franchisor in there. Mm -hmm. And so one of the cool things about the online manual by Fran, man, that is usually you don't see except in just exceptional um, franchisors is versioning or revisions, maintaining revisions. We back up that manual every single night. And a franchise or client of ours can say, I need to see what our manual looked like on January the 15th, 2015, as long as they were a client of ours. Then we can pull up that exact version of the manual. Then they say, I need um, Kit in Butte, Montana, um, who is our Bubba's Burgers franchisee there. I need to know when he read that and did he, and when he acknowledged it. Because we track all that too, and we can tell you exactly. Now, now you're walking into court, and you are no longer having to defend a system. The system mm-hmm. is now defending you, and that's a very different feeling. That's a very – you know exactly what I'm talking yeah, about because you absolutely. have a system exactly the same thing. And so now you're walking in with these, with these weapons, and you go, Your Honor, we don't even need to be here. Um, if you don't mind, here's here's what we have. Here's where we told him not to put peanuts in it. He did it. It's not ours. We're can, may we please leave? And um, you yeah. know, you know the rest of the story.
1: Absolutely, Kit. We are coming dangerously close to the end of the hour. Oh man, um, I have got so much more to talk. about. I know, but that's why I'm going to ask you a question that <laughs> gives you the opportunity to pick and choose and prioritize what the next thing is, if it's almost the last thing you can talk about, I always ask my guests at about this point if there's anything I haven't asked them yet that they wish I did.
2: Oh my gosh. I didn't know that question was coming. Well, we talked about the the value or the functions of a manual. We talked about the online manual. We didn't really talk about the, at Man if we're going to allow me to do a plug, another plug of the company is that you don't have to have a bazillion dollars to have a manual written. We have three different packages of operating manuals at FRANMAN and we have everything that starts at a that starts at a manual template and works all the way up to the full service package. And so you can you can have a professionally produced world class operations manual without breaking the bank if you're if you're starting up on a bootstrap.
1: And that's pretty charitable, I have to say, that you actually put a template up there to help teach people how to do some things for themselves until it's time to have professional yeah, assistants like yeah, yours get into the game with them.
2: It's a 200-page Manual template, and we do a lot of customization. You know, we charge more for our template than anyone else does out there in the market. I don't. I don't have any problem saying that because one, you're getting a manual that's produced by a manual production company, not by some company that's just looking to sell. If you get looking for mailbox money, two is we're going to take that. We're going to take your logo and put it on every page. We're gonna take, we're gonna color coordinate. We're gonna do all the heavy lifting on the formatting and color coordinate all your sections, your chapter sections, and subsections to your logo. We're gonna put your company name and information throughout. We're gonna ask you what you call your your locations. Are they cafes? Are they offices? Are they units locations, etc. What do you call your customers? Are they clients? Are they patrons? Uh, what do you are they guests? What do you call your your employees? Your are they team members? Are they employees, etc. And we're gonna change all that. And we're also gonna pull out stuff that's this doesn't even apply to your industry. For example, Boudreaux's Burgers doesn't need to know that uh, any kind of about how to manage a warehouse and how to keep your tools clean and all that stuff. But he does need the hand washing techniques and all that stuff. So we're going to leave all that stuff in there, kick out all the stuff so he didn't waste his time. And then we're going to throw in three hours of support so that when Boudreaux gets stuck, he calls us up and goes, Hey, I'm stuck here. And we get him up and running fast in a heartbeat so he can get back on the road to editing or, or customizing his manual template. So, So it, if I was. Go ahead. No, so there's just a ton that goes into it. It's not just a manual template. It's a manual template plus a great deal of service on top of that.
1: So if I were ever going to open a manual company based on what I just heard, I would name it nomenclature, but that would be me. (laughs) 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 I love that
2: word. Most people don't use it.
1: We got a minute left. I can't let you get away without telling the audience how to get back in touch with you, learn more about manuals, how to find your podcast, and how to get hold of you directly. Oh, fantastic. So
2: uh, reaching Kit Vincent, you can go to franman.net, www.franman.net. My email address is kit.vinson, V-I-N-S-O-N, at franman.net. I'll say franman and then nothing but net. And then you can go to, we have a we have a Facebook page, we have LinkedIn uh, under Kit Vinson, and the podcast is called The Franchise Manual Podcast, and um, that's a a uh, probably a monthly or not even that often where we put out episodes to teach franchisors, uh, m- mostly startup franchisors, how to do what they've pr- most likely backed into and don't know anything about.
1: And they can link to that right off of your webpage. Is that correct?
2: We actually have a tab up there and they can actually click on, listen to it on the website, or they can use whatever software they use to download their favorite apps. They can look, do a search for the franchise manual and they will find it.
1: Kit, I can't thank you enough for the hour. I can't believe how quickly it blew by. I know. But a lot of a lot of great nuggets that you've shared, and the audience and I both appreciate you being here with me today.
2: Well, I really appreciate being on the show. Like I say, I really feel like I've made it.
1: Well, you've made it all right on this interview, because <laughs> if it weren't up to me without you, where would we be, Kit? So yeah, you right, did I've, make it. <laughs> I have arrived. That's what I meant. Thank you so much, Kit, for being here, and I'm Stan Friedman wishing you all the very best in all things franchising until we get together here one week from now, next Wednesday at noon Eastern, and until then, if you want to find us online, like Kit's Podcast, you can go any place virtually where podcasts are available, and just look for Franchise.com today. You can even go to Alexa and say, Alexa, play the next or latest version of Franchise Today, and she will find it for you as well, and you'll be listening to Kit all over again. See you next week. I'm Stan Friedman, and until then, adios.